Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. As always, I sincerely appreciate everybody's uh, support, downloading, subscribing to the pod. Uh, man, I tell you, the, the numbers for the pod lately have just been fantastic, which is just which is great to see. So again, really appreciate all the support. Can't tell you thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so on tap for today, I went a little deep with you guys. I'm not going to lie. I only got two topics, but your boy went deep. And both these topics, are, they're fairly deep and complex regarding Nebraska football. Lots of psychology today. And they are topics I find really interesting. I'm going to get into a, a fascinating double-edged sword situation for Nebraska this year. But I, I want to start with this in answering, or at least attempting to answer, an email I got from Travis. Uh, Travis emailed me and says, Nick, Listening to your last podcast with Bo, and I am amazed at how easily you and Bo just believe in Scott Frost and buy into the team this year. I just don't get it. This has been a pretty bad football program. I would love to hear you expand on your reasoning why you believe. Love the podcast. Thanks, Travis. So, totally fair and reasonable email from Travis. And in in. I want to I want to unpack his email and it because in, when I read it and I, I got to thinking it really had me kind of an, examine myself and why I do find it easy to believe right now it, it's it's a very simple question that I, I really had to okay I mean let me let me really look at look in the mirror right now and and try to really unpack that so I've uh I've jokingly said that there are a couple of times on the football calendar that Husker Kool-Aid just flies off the shelves. Just, it is it is flying off the shelves. People are chugging it left and right. And the two most notable times are usually after the spring game. For some reason, the spring game, it's just positive vibes. Everybody's just chugging the Kool-Aid. And then the other time is right before the season starts. The, the two weeks before the season starts, the week before the, the first game, a few days before the first game, usually people are just just chugging Husker Kool-Aid. And listen, I've fallen victim to drinking the Kool-Aid before the season. No doubt. I've, I've been that guy. But not all the time. There have been plenty of times I not only didn't drink the Kool-Aid, I advised others not to drink the Kool-Aid either. Plenty of times. And, you know, I mean, a few of the, the, the Bill Callahan years, the end of the Bo Pelini years, all of the Riley coaching tenure. But with Scott Frost, it's interesting. I have found myself, as the season approaches, for now four straight years, Drinking the Kool-Aid. 
buying into the hype, buying into the team. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's kind of happening again for season number five, year number five for Scott Frost. Even though four straight losing seasons has preceded it. And like Travis touched on in the email, I talked about this with, with Bo in my last podcast with him. Why is it so easy to believe in Frost in this situation for, for me? Again, Scott Frost is 15-29 and 29 at Nebraska. No real signature wins. Four losing seasons. No bowl trips. Went 3-9 and nine last year. I mean, on a very simple level, you hear that. Why on earth would anybody buy into this program and situation and Scott Frost right now? And so I think it's, uh, as I examined myself and really thought about it, I think there are three main reasons why for me. I can only speak for myself, but one thing I've learned over the years is being a lifelong Nebraskan, oftentimes, usually how I feel is how a lot of other people feel too. But there are three main reasons why, two of which are really layered and psychological. But the first one is fairly simple for me. And you know what it is? In my opinion, when I watch this team play and watch last year, it's not clear to me that they're a bad football team. It's just not. And listen, I, I get what the results of 15 and 29 would indicate and four straight losing seasons would indicate. But if you've watched all 29 losses in the Scott Frost era, like I have, it truly breaks my brain in trying to make sense of it. It's not clear to me that they are bad. Because bad, in my opinion, means you're getting crushed. You're getting your ass kicked. You're getting blown out. You aren't close. You're getting punked. You're getting run off the field. You're getting pushed around. You're getting your teeth kicked in. That's not happening. Nebraska isn't getting crushed. They aren't getting blown out. They aren't getting physically dominated and run off the field. That, on a very simple, broad level, makes this whole situation hard for me to process. Now, trust me, I see all the shortcomings and the issues and the problems. I'm not blind. The close game issues, the organizational issues, some of the game management stuff, certainly the special teams, et cetera, et cetera. I see all of that. But despite all of that, Nebraska isn't getting blown out. They aren't getting crushed. Again, for me, if you're bad, you're getting crushed. You're getting killed. That isn't happening. And if you think about it, you know, Bill Callahan was getting blown out. Bo Pelini, yes, won games. But boy, he was getting ran off the field a couple times a year routinely. Mike Riley, I mean, just, just going through a couple of the scores, I mean, just lost to Ohio State 62-3. 
Lost to Iowa 40 to 10. Lost to Wisconsin 38-17. Lost to Ohio State 56 to 14 in a game in which Ohio State scored on every offensive possession. The final 3 games of 2017 for Mike Riley. Riley's Nebraska teams gave up 54, 56 and 56 points. The last one being 56 to 14 to Iowa. It was easy to assess and digest with those outcomes. In my opinion, when when Kansas is hanging 76 on you, like was happening in 2007 under Bill uh, on, on Bill Callen's watch, that that's that's e- that that's that one's easy to swallow in terms of being able to understand. When Melvin Gordon's running for 400 yards on you and you're getting blown out a couple times, like those are easy to understand. Again, when when Ohio State's beating you 56 to 14 and and Iowa's beating you 40 to 10 and you're getting 50 plus hung on you routinely at the like those things are easy to assess and digest with those outcomes. Nebraska wasn't close in the final score. And that's just it. Nebraska under Frost is close in the final scores, but isn't close in the final records. Let me repeat that because I think as I wrote that out, I was like, yes, it's Nebraska under Frost. They're close in the final scores, but they're not close in the final record. And trying to make sense of that is challenging. And for me, the fact that they are close in the final scores makes it easier for me to believe. It makes it easier to buy in and get optimistic as the season draws closer. So on a very simple, broad level, there's that. It's not clear to me that they're bad when I watch them play. And and see how they are, you know, kick Michigan State's ass and then a punt goes in the wrong direction, all hell breaks loose. And watch them dominate Iowa for three and a half quarters and then one punt gets blocked and they completely melt down. So it makes it easier to buy in and get optimistic because I don't think it's crystal clear that they're bad, even though the final record would indicate it. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Then the next two kind of reasons on why I find it easy to to buy in and believe, or easier to buy in and believe to Frost in this season and, and in the program. 
The next two are more layered and, and psychological as to why it's it's easier for me to believe in Frost in year five. And the one thing that I've always kind of somewhat prided myself on as I've I've you know been doing this talking behind a microphone for you know since two thousand nine of of just being willing to be honest, be willing to be transparent, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to say I don't know, or be willing to say I admit a bias, admit admit some some jaded thinking. So I'm I am as I examine myself, I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware of admitting my own biases and where I am jaded or I guess maybe blinded a bit. And I think this is this is a blind spot like I think this is a blind spot is maybe where these thoughts reside. So, but even as I say that, there are elements that I think are are real. So let me let me keep going here. There there the the two reasons. Number one is is the the two additional reasons. The the number one is the obvious one. And these aren't necessarily original thoughts, but they're I'm just explaining and answering Travis's email. Number one is the obvious one. There's the emotional investment in who Scott Frost is and wanting it to work because of that. As a kid that grew up in Lincoln in the 90s, he's Scott Frost. He's Scott Frost. He's Scott Frost, for crying out loud. He is going to hold a special place of nostalgia and good times kind of in my sports heart, and I'd imagine a lot of your sports hearts as well. And when that's the case, I guess you can struggle to fully see things clearly or objectively. Again, I'm willing to admit it that I'm potentially not being fully objective with all this because of who he is. It's like that girlfriend you have history with or a family member that keeps letting you down, but you're willing to fight for them and you're willing to give them more second chances solely because of who they are and the fact that you have history together. So there's that. Even Trev Alberts said as much when he announced last November, that he wasn't going to fire Frost, that he was keeping Frost at the end of the year. I pulled this quote back up because it it really hits at a little bit of how I feel and at how I'd imagine how a lot of you feel. Here is Trev Alberts somewhat explaining why he is not firing Frost and he's going to keep Frost for year number five. This is Trev last November. He said, quote, It's no secret that I've always wanted this this to work. It would be unfair to say that I wasn't looking for a way to keep Scott as our coach. I don't think there there is clear definition. There's not a lot of empirical data out there to suggest that this will work. Let's be honest. But I also think if there's a decision point, whether it's football or anything else, you know, Scott's a brother, he's a Husker, and he's a Nebraskan. I thought if all things being equal, if there's a decision to make, if there's some uncertainty, if we're going to err, well, 
while I'm here as the athletic director, we will probably err on the side of loyalty, but it won't be blind loyalty. End quote. That's kind of it. That kind of, that captures it kind of perfectly. That's Trev Alberts. That's the main decision maker. That's the athletic director. Saying kind of what I think a lot of people feel. It's no secret. Always wanted this to work. It'd be unfair to say that I wasn't looking for a way to keep Scott. I realize there's not a lot of empirical data out there. Suggests it's going to work. Let's be honest. But if there's a decision point, whether it's football or anything else, Scott's a Husker. He's a Nebraskan. He's a brother. All things being equal, if we're going to err on a side, we're going to err on the side of loyalty with this thing. Like, nodding right now. I am nodding. I nodded when I read that back in November. I nodded when I found it again, preparing for the pod. If there is someone that you are willing to extend a longer leash and a longer runway to, it's Frost. And because of that, at least for me, it's easier for me to buy in and believe in Frost in year five. And then lastly, while I don't subscribe to the school of thought that, well, I tell you, you know, if Frost can't get it done at, at Nebraska, nobody can. I, I'm not, I don't buy that. I'm not willing to go that far. That's a little, that's, that's a bridge too far. That's, that's too much for me. But I am someone that thinks that the thought of blowing this whole thing up again is terrifying on a variety of levels. Legit terrifying. I think blowing this thing up again, firing Scott Frost, would set the program back even further than it, had al- than it already is, and the damage it could potentially do to the fan base is real. If Nebraska were to fire Frost, were to have fired Frost, or even depending on how this season goes, but were to, were to let him go at the end of the year, that's something that a lot of people would have a hard time stomaching. And on some level, I think there are a lot of fans that do feel like if Frost can't get it done, Nebraska is screwed. I think there are some – I'm not, I'm not quite there. I shouldn't even say quite. I'm not there. But there are some people that are there. Keep in mind, keep in mind, for the past 12, 13, 14, 15-plus years, Scott Frost checked all the boxes of who the fans said was the answer. A former player, a Nebraska guy who understands Nebraska, Someone that can wed the old school Husker blueprint with the new school times. Someone that's been a head coach at the college level and been successful. Someone who could unite the fan base upon their arrival. Check, 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 check. And human beings typically don't react well when they proclaim something is the answer and it turns out it isn't. When they are sure, they being people, fans, the masses, are 100% sure that they know the remedy, that they have the answer, that they have the guy, and it turns out 
to be wrong, the psychological damage is real. And oftentimes, to me, I would think that psychological damage would result in disengaging and checking out emotionally, which is, again, I've always said, the the only thing that's keeping this program afloat is the fans. It's the greatest natural resource in a program that's located not around a whole bunch of resources, recruiting base, all those kinds of things, population base. The fans are the greatest resource keeping this thing afloat. For 15 years, basically since Frank Solich was fired, as fans have watched coach after coach come and go and get fired, the fans have felt like they know what Nebraska has needed to get back on track. And as the fan base from 2004 to 2017 sat and watched coaches come to Nebraska and fail and get fired, the fan base started to build the ideal candidate in their brain. Think of it this way. Think of Husker fans as an eyewitness at a police station and describing the ideal candidate, or suspect if you will, to save Nebraska football to a sketch artist. After almost 15 years of this sketch artist listening to fans describe the ideal head coach at Nebraska, the sketch artist would have drawn Scott Frost. He was, he being Frost, on some level, the savior. And when the savior gets fired, when the savior isn't the savior, after everyone thought he was the savior, Again, that damage is real. So there is that as well. The psychological damage to the fan base of Frost failing and getting fired would be significant. And the thought of blowing up what little bit of continuity Nebraska has finally had now for going on five years makes me a little queasy. So because of all of those things, because it's it's never just one thing. It's a, it's a mixture of things. It's a combination of things. Because of all of that, to circle back to Travis's email, that's why I find it easy to believe in Frost heading into year five. It's a layered answer, brother. I know you were hoping for something a little more simple, but sometimes it ain't that simple when you're dealing with the human mind and the heart. The Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say 
is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. Let me transition to this second topic that I have for you guys today. I was uh, I was thinking about Nebraska in two ways. And I, w- I arrived at a fascinating place. And the place I arrived at, I couldn't quite find the right word for it. I, I don't I I don't know if it's a dichotomy or a conundrum or maybe even irony is the right word, but as I thought about it more, what I arrived at is a saying, not a word. And the saying is double-edged sword. The place I arrived at was the double-edged sword situation at Nebraska. And looking up, the definition of the double-edged sword meeting is something that has or can have both favorable and unfavorable consequences. Perfect. When I looked it up, I looked at, I, you know, you know what something means, but sometimes you want to look it up anyways. When I read that, I was like, fucking perfect. That's perfect. Let me lay it out for you. So I was thinking about all the new for Nebraska this season. New players, new impact transfers, new coaches, tons of new. And as I was thinking about that new, I then was thinking about how much Nebraska has struggled in close games. I've given you the stat. Nobody has more one-score losses than Nebraska in the last four years. Nebraska is 2-12 and 12 in, one, in games decided by one score or less against Big Ten West teams. 2-12. and 12. I mean, really let that sink in. Nebraska has been terrible in close games. And it has been pretty clear that on some level, it's a mental issue. It's a mental block. It's a, it's a clear lack of confidence beyond a bunch of other different things. But it, most, most of all, it feels like a mental issue. It, seemed, it has seemed like the players involved almost have had PTSD with close games. So with that being said, on a very simple level, there are two ways in fixing that, fixing this. Number one, either the players have to find success in close games, and that will either alter their mentality or gain them confidence. There's that. Or the other way, you fix this, you change the people involved. You switch out the people to hopefully get a different result. By changing the people involved, you hopefully change the outcome. And the reason there is hopefully a different outcome is because the new people involved aren't involved in the negative history of losing close games. In theory, Casey Thompson, Mark Whipple, Anthony Grant, Trey Palmer, O'Shawn Mathis, Stephon Wynn, Bleak Road, Brian Buscini, Tommy Hill, all these people, they weren't on the field for the close losses last year. 
and two years ago and three years ago. They weren't on the field when fell apart, lost to Michigan after you had the ball driving. Weren't on the field at Michigan State when you dominated the Spartans and then punted it the wrong direction. Weren't on the field when special teams let you down in Norman, Oklahoma. Weren't on the field Black Friday, Iowa. You're up 21-6 to with five minutes left in the third quarter. Completely throw up on yourselves. They weren't on the field for any of that stuff. So it's, it's one of the things I point to for potential optimism this year with how Nebraska will fare in close games. Again, I've talked about it throughout the entire offseason. All the people heavily involved in shaping the outcomes of close games are largely new and aren't carrying that burden of losing close games. The new players and new coaches aren't prisoners of the past issues. Nebraska, let's be honest, will likely be in a bunch of close games this year. They're likely going to be in a bunch of one-score games again this year. And hopefully, all the new individuals involved can arrive at a new and positive outcome. So that's the the positive side of the new. The flip side of the new is this. It takes time to build an emotional bond and an emotional attachment. I would say the only thing in this world where you have an instant bond and an instant emotional attachment is to your children. Being a 38-year-old father of three, having done a lot in my life, the only thing that I really feel like is ju- was just like instant the, the second you see them, instant emotional attachment, emotional bond with your kids. Everything else, there's kind of a non-negotiable level of time that has to elapse. And in sports, it takes time to build that emotional bond and emotional ta- attachment, both with teammates, but also a place, a school, a program, a team. It takes shared experiences and time to build up that emotional attachment. So the flip side or bad side of the new, all the new, new players, all that stuff. The the flip side or bad side of the new is if things go south, if some legit adversity strikes, if you aren't attached emotionally it's way easier to just detach. And you think about it, I don't mean to pick on this guy, Devin Drew got here last week. Devin Drew got here last week. Some of the new players who have no tie to Nebraska got here maybe four to five months ago. That's not a lot of time to really build that emotional attachment. Not saying it can't happen. Certainly not trying to suggest it's an impossibility. I'm I'm certainly not saying that competitive people who are genuine about their love and respect for the game and desire to win won't fight tooth and nail right away regardless of how long they've been somewhere or been with somebody. 
But players are still human beings. They're just like you. They're just like me. Think about something in your life, a relationship, a job, whatever. The places and people you've been invested with longer, you likely have a bigger emotional attachment to. Certainly not rocket science there. And I think what we are getting at is the interesting dynamic of the transfer portal and being able to play right away. You, you kind of end up getting players who are somewhat mercenaries. So the flip side of the new is this. You know, how much pride in that thing outside of yourself, that, that feeling of wanting to be a part of something greater than yourself. How much does someone like Devin Drew have that? And I don't mean to pick on him, but it's just kind of put on a tee to prove my point just because he just got here and there's talk of him having to be a guy that comes in and you know is a contributor and playing right away. I just think it's a real thing. That real attachment, that real bond with the program you are playing for, the teammate you are playing with, those things on some level can ultimately matter, especially in a sport like football. And when there is so many new players in prominent roles on the team, I can't help but just wonder where that dynamic is all at. So it's weird. The new players have that fresh slate for the moment, aren't prisoners of the past moments. But at the same time, it's those collections of moments you spend at a place and with someone else that really can build up your desire and willingness to endure and fight with that person or for that place. It's a double-edged sword for Nebraska. And I think it's a fascinating dynamic to kind of wrestle with in your mind and then think about it revealing itself in the season. A Huda Media Production.